Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast live on our Facebook, YouTube and Twitter accounts and later on our podcast channel. As usual, if you are watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and if you're listening later on the podcast channel, please remember to like and follow the podcast. It's totally free to do, it just means with every new episode we upload, you'll get a notification to say it's ready to listen or download. I'm joined as usual on Mondays by Aaron Stokes and your Castle United editor and it's becoming a rather... Uh, repetitive thing that we talk about in Newcastle United victory. Not that we're complaining, of course, Aaron. Of course, we are talking about Newcastle beating Spurs 2-1 down in the capital in what was a very, very, very good performance from Eddie Howe's men. I'm going to go straight out and say that this may be, in fact, there's no maybe about it, this is the biggest win under Eddie Howe. It's certainly up there. I don't know if I would say it's the biggest one, but it definitely ranks in the top three. I think it's a, a win that I certainly didn't see coming. I was saying pre-match yesterday that it felt like they're, they're due a hammering, aren't they? <laughs> it's weird that they that they haven't got one. Um, but look, another performance that showed that Newcastle United can mix it with anyone in this league. Um, their record so far this season against the big six has been almost perfect. And I just think um, yesterday was a was a huge, huge milestone for them to show that actually, you know, it isn't just a sort of a, a bluff from Newcastle. They are actually here, you know, to give it a good go and actually to, to try and upset the Apple Cart this season. Well, that's why for me it is, I think, the biggest win under Eddie Howe because, you know, Newcastle don't want to be one of those teams that are the pretenders. There is a real ambition to, to be an established top 10 side. And we've seen this season good performances against Liverpool, good performances against Manchester City, but they're not really pick up what they deserved. And I feel there's only so many times you can sit there afterwards, sit here on this podcast and go, ah, they were unlucky, but yes, it was against a top top four side. And at some point, if you really are going to, you know, crack, get crash at party, then you have to make sure that those performances get the points. And against Spurs, they did exactly that because it would have been so frustrating to be sitting here once again saying they played so well, but they only managed to get a point because they couldn't hang on or Spurs came back and won three 3-2 but instead we're sitting here and saying actually Newcastle played well against the top side they got the points they deserved a massive win and I think this really could be a huge huge stepping stone to what Newcastle can potentially achieve this season I think I mean that feeling in the dressing room afterwards must have been I mean just sheer relation they've as you say they've not only gone to the capital against a team who have been in fantastic form at home they've actually gone there they've held on they've weathered that little late storm and, I mean, just looking at that table last night, Newcastle United fourth in the Premier League. I mean, it's a nosebleed territory. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic. I think everyone to a man yesterday did their jobs again. I thought it would look like a very equal game. Do you know what I mean? And Newcastle United going to, as I've said, Tottenham, who, you know, they've won 10 on the bounce at home, um, you know, big superstar names. And actually, Newcastle United have, have matched them for a man. Um and yeah, look, they were good value for those for, that, for those three points. And, and and I think you know we'll we'll touch on it a bit more later in the podcast. But they weathered that very early storm where Son looked like he was in the mood. Kane was finding pockets easily, um, but to get two goals before half time, you know, as Rob's saying there in the comments, just a fantastic team performance, and they did dominate for big big swathes of the game. Yeah, Rob Hall there saying awesome team performance, dominated space for three quarters of the game. We have some more players to come back from injury as well. Our team cost a lot less than others, um, on paper than others. I think the, the other important thing about yesterday is, 
you go to Spurs, who had won their last eight at home, and yes, had lost to Manchester United, but it was seen as maybe a, a little blip. But for Newcastle to go there against the side that, let's be honest, has hopes of winning the title. It might be unambitious hopes when you look at Manchester City and Arsenal, the way they're performing, but they do have hopes. For Newcastle to go there in front of the Sky cameras as well, I think the win will make a lot of people really stand up and take notice. And look, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but yesterday was a massive statement of intent of what this team under Eddie Howe really wants to get to. And it is the level that Spurs are at, and they've proved that they can really go up against the big boys and finally, finally get three points. Definitely. And I mean, look, Conte touched on it before the game. He said, you know, Newcastle are a team that are very much on the up. Everybody is sort of bigging up Newcastle United as the team that in a couple of years are going to be in and around that top six. You know, they need to start talking about months, not years, because, you know, should this team keep going in the manner that they are? And that's the challenge now is to make sure that this isn't just a flash in the pan and they can continue this into the World Cup, beyond the World Cup. Um, and Jamie Carragher, you know, made a good point during commentary yesterday, and that was that um, they were very, very unlucky not to get more from Manchester City, who are, are blowing teams away. You could argue for the first half at Man United, they were they were in control. Um, very, very unlucky, as we know, at Liverpool. And yesterday, as you've said, they've gone on and actually got that statement win rather than just hanging on for a point. So all is well. I think Eddie Howe, the job he has done, and I, I know we say it every week, but he must be sitting there with Jason Tindall and they must be thinking, could anything really have gone better in this first year? They have not put a foot wrong, whether it's what they've done on the training pitch, their recruitment, their performances. He hasn't just got the players playing on the front foot. They're actually playing on the front foot and it's working. They don't look vulnerable at the back. Um, yes, you know, there was a period yesterday where Spurs looked like they were going to come back into it, but it was never really hang on and hold on tight like it was at my United. So... Um, Look, just a fantastic winner and and as I say the challenge now is just to continue it and keep it going yeah I think we saw for the first time real emotion from Eddie Howe and he has shown glimpses of that before you know we see him on the pitch and he gives a double fist pump but there was just something when he was over in that corner applauding the fans who'd made the journey down and he just couldn't stop smiling he looked so happy and I don't know about you, but that is the first time I think we've seen that level of emotion. He just let himself, maybe, he let his guard down and maybe just let himself get carried away with it. And why not? It's funny because there was a moment at the end of last season, and I think it was against Arsenal in that famous game at St James's Park. And our colleague, Kieran Kelly, actually asked how about his celebration and said, you know, we really rarely see you get that excited on the touchline. Did you just want to let yourself go? And you feel like... For 90% of the time, he just wants to keep himself grounded. You heard in that press conference after yesterday saying, we can't get ahead of ourselves. I'm thinking about Villa next week. Um, but yesterday when he was coming off that pitch, you saw him hugging Bruno, who obviously just had the baby in that brilliant story. You saw him hugging Shaw and Botman. And you just think, he might not want to admit it to the public because it puts all this pressure and expectation on it, but he's clearly loving where this team's going and, and what he's doing with them. Yeah, fantastic. And I, and again, I, I go back to this, in my opinion, being the biggest win under Howe. I think that emotion that he showed there was was maybe uh, another reason why, I, why I've come to this conclusion because it is such it, I feel like it is such a big win. And people that watch this podcast and listen to it will know I'm usually I'm uh, I'm usually quite very grounded. Grounded is that the best way we'll describe? <laughs> I, I, I didn't get want to excited. You, I didn't want to say pessimistic. I, I like cynical. To think, uh, I'm a I'm a realist. Yeah, but. 
I'm going to afford myself a little bit of excitement because I, I just think this is a, it was a monumental three points. And even if, you know, the form drops off towards the end of the World Cup, I don't think it will, but if it does, I still think when we look back on this moment against Spurs and it will, it will still, I think it'll go down as one of the, the, the biggest results in that first stage of this new era. Yeah, I agree with you. And I th- look, there's moments that we've already seen in the first year of how that stand out. We always go on about Arsenal. Um, we always talk about big performances like that. And yesterday was one of those where it was really, you know, every single man did their job and the fans were loving it in the way. And then um, just, a, just a fantastic win. And, and as you've said, they've got a couple of games out of the World Cup. I was going to take them away to Saudi Arabia. They'll have a bit of a break. If they can get a win at Villa, if they can take points from Southampton and Chelsea and go into that break, still in the top six, huge, huge catalyst to then go on and push on. And it also brings into question, do they go out and spend in January to make sure that they stay there? We have asked for a a couple of questions. We asked for you guys to send in in questions for us and you guys have done. And and a couple of them were based on what do we think will happen in January. And that goes to what you were saying now. And, you know, they do... Indeed, pick up a win against Villa and another one against Southampton, which is which is you know it's not Feasible. against yeah it's not against uh, you know it's not you, you can believe Newcastle will will do that then yeah things will be interesting going into that January window you know there are reports that um, if Newcastle are in a good position going into the window that Newcastle may change their plans ever so slightly and go for it can you see that happening I think so I think. If Newcastle go into that break and they go into the January window and they're sat in the top six, I think that's you know brilliant ammunition for PIF to actually say, look, there's funds available. How and Ashworth and, and Eels will have their targets already lined up, um, and and we saw it obviously similar last January. They sort of had to spend, didn't they, because they wanted to stay in the league this time. It isn't that necessity, but you look at that bench; it's still probably not where you want it to be. They probably need one or two more. As we've been saying for weeks, they probably needed another one or two in the summer. Um, just of real quality, just to make that group a little bit stronger. And I think if they can go into that you know, into that window in a, in a strong position, it's an easy wink to take it to the owners and say, just give us a little bit more money and we can really do something this season. Mm. Uh, Finnaz1892 on Twitter wrote in to ask, who do Newcastle buy in January and in what positions? we get asked this most weeks and my my view hasn't changed it would be James Madison we saw over the weekend again a fantastic display for him as Leicester beat Wolves and he would be my main priority in January yeah look we, we spoke about it last week I think when we, when we talked about January I think Madison Diaby the two names that are going to creep up we know that they were very keen in the summer you'd think with the position Newcastle could be in and the position Leicester are in, the position Leverkusen are in, they're two realistic targets if they can fork out the cash for it. I think you've got to be looking at another attacker. I think, look, Jacob Murphy's filled in the last couple of games well. Ryan Fraser has fits and spells, but I think they can just add one more bit of real quality, one or two in that attacking area. Um, they've got a real, real attack to be to be feared. Um so those two are the obvious names, but I, th- I think as long as they get one attacker in, I think I think that's where the priority should be. It's interesting as well, the homework that'll go into these new signs because the players that came off the bench yesterday, you know, they fitted straight into the players that they replaced in terms of they knew where they had to be, they knew what the game plan was, they knew they had to press and, and really get at Spurs and it was a very seamless 
um, substitution on, on, on all accounts. Shelby coming on, Murphy coming on, Chris Wood coming on. And, you know, it's going to be that, that question, isn't it, in Johnny? Do you go for someone of real quality who maybe lacks that full commitment and work ethic or do you go for someone who has that work ethic and commitment in abundance but maybe isn't as good because not everyone's going to be a Bruno where you have both of them yeah. you know at, at the top level I think if you know knowing Eddie Howe as, as we do as we do um, you know he wants players that are the right character he's not going to no matter how good they are on the ball if they're not doing the graft off the ball I don't think um, they're going to be in his plans we, we've heard him say you know, as as the pressure was sort of taking its toll in the summer when they weren't getting bodies over, he said they don't want to get players in quick. They need to make sure they're the right um, character, as I've touched on. So we saw yesterday Jacob Murphy off the bench sprinting to press Chris Wood, pressing from the front. Um, they're going to need players that have got a lot of energy that will do the dirty work defending as well as being good on the ball. And talking about homework and, and the game approach yesterday, it was very clear that Eddie Howe, had looked at Spurs' weakness and the, their weakness, especially against Manchester United, was the fact that they couldn't handle the press. And we know Newcastle have adopted this in, in, in most games this season. We saw it against you know Everton. It worked well. It worked so well against Spurs. They they absolutely forced Spurs. They, they forced Spurs, especially that Miggy goal, into making that mistake, you know, because they just closed them down. They hurried them and Luis ended up kicking the ball. Longstaff wins it. Almiro does the rest. And we'll get onto that goal in a second in, in a bit more depth. But... Just Aaron on, on on the meticulous preparation that Eddie Howe clearly puts into the way his team sets up. That is Eddie Howe doing his homework because he knows that Larissa is a fantastic stopper, but he's not very good with his feet. And there was a couple of times it wasn't just for the goal, where the goalkeeper really did look like he was struggling with the sort of um, the ferocity of, of Newcastle. And I think we saw obviously with Eric Dyer's mistake where he passed out for a corner, just not giving Spurs an inch. And I think. You know, we're going to talk about Longstaff more later and, and whether he had a good game or not, but he gives so much of that in the midfield. We saw for that Miggy goal, he did really well to go and press that full-back, win the ball. Um, and look, this is what Newcastle United are about now. Uh, intensity is their identity. They're grafting, they're working. Um, they're not giving anybody, whether it's Manchester City, whether it's Bournemouth, they're not giving them any time on the ball. Um, and it just it made the cracks that were there for Spurs, it made them you know very, very obvious. Um, in that in that game yesterday, yeah, and Spurs are a good side. They've got some great players, but the fact that you, you know Eddie Howe has gone into that dressing room and said to his players, you know, you can match them, you can you can make them scared of what you guys can do, and then the players follow those instructions to a T, and they've gone out and got that win. It's it, it. I think when you take a step back, it it does blow your mind a little bit that the takeover was only twelve months ago. Eddie Howe hasn't even been in the job. 12 months and this is this is where Newcastle United are at now they're not going down to to Spurs who are going for the title and, and thinking well if we get a point it'll be a bonus they're going down there to win six of that start 11 yesterday were the same players that were in a relegation battle before yeah. Eddie Howe came in you can talk about how much money they've spent which is a valid point but you've also got to admit the job he's done with Joel Linton, with Almiron with Cher with Wilson, all these players that he has dragged to the next level is worth so much more than the players that they've bought off the pitch. Um, so yeah, look, the, the confidence that he's instilled, we're going we're gonna to talk about Almiron in a second. He's given all these players such a boost of confidence. There was a brilliant moment at full time when the fans were in the corner clapping um, the away support and how goes over, Lascelles, he's still got his bib on, big handshake, big hug, 
the feeling that they've got in the dressing room, how he makes those players feel, even if they're not playing, it, it must just be such a good environment to work in. I noticed that, and I noticed when Fraser came on the pitch as well at full time, he was absolutely beaming, like he'd played a yeah. part on the pitch, and he hadn't. But this, this is, I mean, I've, I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but you ask Eddie Howe a question in these press conferences, and he never leaves a man out. You ask him about Cher, he talks about how good Cher is, but how good Botman is, how good Lascelles is. He never wants to put any players down. He never wants to leave them out. And I think, as you say, that the unity that they've got in this group now, whether they're playing or whether they're not, you know, it's working wonders off off the pitch. Yeah, those scenes at the end, and then the Bruno and Wilson interview as well. It just it just shouts unity. You know, it, it was a it was a really emotional interview actually. The Bruno talking about his his new his newborn uh, son Matteo, who's who literally just been born a couple of days ago, and he's come down. Uh, to to play for Newcastle United as Bruno, despite the fact most people would probably stay back and and uh, you know help help with the, the baby duties, but he's down there and Wilson, you know, giving him a little bit of a hug as he's talking about it, and then saying the win was for for Bruno and and, and Matteo, and it I don't that I think probably pulled on so many heartstrings of so many fans. Yeah, it does, and look, I think I've seen a lot of people um, talking about that Bruno interview, how brilliant it was. I still can't get over how good he is at English. I mean, he's better than some Geordies at talking English and he's only been speaking at 10 months. I mean, uh, there was another moment yesterday, Miggy scores and Willick's reaction to him scoring. They're just, they're so happy for him. And I just think, have we ever seen a group this, you know, together, this unified in, in the last 10 years? I really, really can't think of a time when there's ever been this sort of, and, and it's another thing, you know, we all, we always talk about, you know, our favourite players, but this group of players they're amazing at what they do. They're fantastically talented, but they're also grafters and they're just a very, very good bunch. There's no character that you think is like, you know, sort of out of, out well, of that, place. Really, yeah, do you? It's, it's interesting. I mean, they're fighting for each other. They're fighting for the club. And I always think back to, to in the summer when Gabby Neville made a point about Manchester United's recruitment and he said the, the issue, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said basically the issue was over the last few years, they've bought players who think they're bigger than the club. And yeah. we're seeing it now, in my opinion, with the whole Ronaldo saga. You know, great player. But if the manager doesn't think he's good enough to be in that starting eleven, then that is the manager's call. Yeah. And what you're seeing here at Newcastle is the players have gone out and bought, not one of them is bigger than the club. And I think this, as soon as someone gets that ego uh, boost and thinks they're bigger than the club, they'll be, they'll be well, they'll be training within the 23s or they'll be showing the door. You know, anyhow, it's yeah. not going to stand for that because everyone... The club, the, the squad is better when it's unified, and that's how you'll get success. And you're seeing it, you know, Fraser on the bench, the cells, captain, not not playing, but no one's kicking up a fuss. Yeah. And that comes from Eddie Howe's ethos: is that United, Newcastle United, can achieve that. Well, as he said, there's no ceiling. Yeah. And look, if you give Eddie Howe 100 percent, whether you're playing or not, he's gonna, you know, respond to that in in the exact same way as as we've touched on in the press conferences and in public. Um, I think. You know, they made a big, big deal about it in the summer about not breaking that wage structure, and that's another, you know, sort of added reason as to why I think this group sort of together. They'll have been offered a lot of players by, you know, money grabbing agents in the summer and said, "Take this player, and you can be this." Uh, I'm, uh, this is no disrespect, but the likes of Lingard who were coming in and are wanting big money, and you know, we see how his start to Forest has gone not very good. The way they've recruited, they've taken their time. They know exactly the type of player they want it's just incredible what they've done I can't praise how and the team and the players enough I just think just long way this continue mm, fingers crossed and you mentioned it there the amount of players who played 
who started the game against Spurs, who were here before the takeover, because it has this argument has come up, especially in the last week, about how much Newcastle United have spent, and um, you know, came up with the argument when Steven Gerrard's been sacked by Aston Villa, you know, that it's not that easy for for t- for teams, kind of you know, mid table looking at bringing that top ten to do it unless you've got a load of money. But the reality is Newcastle actually, yes, have spent a lot of money, but not as much as people think. And secondly, as we've alluded to, a lot of the work, a lot of the success has come because of the work Eddie Howe and his staff have done. You know, the, the team are disciplined. They're fit. They know what they're meant to be doing. They're buying into the project. And as you mentioned, six of them were already here before the takeover. What, let's, let's, let's list them. Cher, Longstaff, Willick, Amiron, Wilson, Joe Linton. Off the bench comes Murphy and Shelby. You know, the, these players were here before the, the takeover. Yep. And what is also interesting, I think, as well, is that a lot of them know come the summer, come next January, they probably won't be here. I'm looking at the likes of Murphy. I'm looking at the likes of Fraser. But as we've alluded to, again, they're not kicking up a fuss. They want to be part of this journey for however long it may last for them. Look, I think I think we know that, that the players are aware, you know, when I spoke to Isaac Hayden, when he left, he basically said, you know, a couple of the players got together and said, we know this club's going in a direction and we might not be along for that journey. But look at Almiron. Look at John Joe Shelby. Players that you think had no chance of being part of this, you know, new era in Newcastle, two or three seasons down the line. John Joe Shelby's been a huge miss. Miggy Almiron at the minute is the most informed player in the league behind Haaland. I knew it was argue. always going to happen. I, I, I can't believe we've got, what, 21 minutes into this podcast and we haven't spoken about the, the fan club. I've, I've heard... I might be wrong, but my sources say Gibbos, he's applied for a membership. Is that no, true? I offered him an application. He said I had, he wanted to wait until the end of the season, but I, I think he'll soon be um, knocking on my door to jump the gonna, waiting I list. I think he's going to come calling soon. I don't think you can deny Miggy much longer, even if you're a, you're a staunch ally of him. Um, but yeah, look, all of these players know that you know they might not be here for three or four years, but they're giving their all and they know that how can work wonders and if they can just you know find that groove Longstaff is getting in this team week in week out they're going and beating Miggy just an absolute fantastic turnaround Joel and just I just think the money argument and I understand why people make it but it just it, it annoys me because a lot of people focus solely on that and I think it's disrespectful to Eddie Howe to Jason Tinder and to the players who were already here and to the players who have arrived actually because you can look at Aston Villa as, yeah. a, as a point in case. You can throw money at a project, but unless you have the right staff in place and you have the players who've got the right character to, to build into what, to buy into what you're trying to build at a club, the money doesn't matter. Look, it's going to be mentioned, and I think it's a valid point in some respects. They've spent 200 million in two windows. It's a lot more than your castle we used to sell them, spending, but they haven't actually gone out and spent. 70, 80 million on, a, on an individual have they? they haven't gone and done a Manchester United and bought an Anthony they haven't gone out they've actually bought really well for their money Bruno for 30 odd million is going to rise significantly if he eventually goes Botman is looking like an absolute seal at 35 million and look these are big transfer fees for young players fees that Newcastle would have never really paid in such a you know continued sequence two or three years ago but They've spent so well. They haven't wasted this money. They yes, they've put a lot of resources into it, but they're getting the returns. I mean, Trippier, what twelve million? Mm. 
the, just, the, the recruitment's been so shrewd. I just think it's a lazy argument when people also... I mean, like you say, it is a, it is a very valid point. But then you've got to also look at the work that happens on the training pitch, right? Because you can go out and spend thirty-two million on on Van Botman, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a, a, a hit. You, you know, you you can't go out and say Newcastle United are only in the top four because of the money they've spent. Because as we've said yesterday, half that team is Eddie Howe players that he was left from Steve Bruce. So it isn't a I can understand why people bring up the two hundred million. It's a large amount they've, they've spent because they had to, but the credit should actually go to how for how he's transformed them players that he that he inherited. One hundred, one hundred percent. Um, let's talk about then the action, some more action on the pitch yesterday. We'll dive straight into that Wilson goal. I mean, I I'll be honest. When the replays started showing, and then it was inevitably going to go to VAR, I did think they were going to overrule it. Yeah, I, I was a bit on the fence. I was a bit concerned that, you know, they were going to have another decision go against them. I think on another day, another referee might have might have been inclined to, get, to give that. But I think it was the correct decision from Jared Gillett and, and VAR. I think, you know, Lloris has got to be stronger there. I think he looks for it. He goes down because he knows he's not getting that ball. Um, so I think that it's a, uh, it was a good decision. And look, the, the finish from Wilson doesn't even look up he just knows where the goal is um but i think i think Lloris has just been he hasn't been strong enough in that moment yesterday yeah i mean right right decision but i just felt when the when that you see Callum wilson's arm kind of just move up and i'm thinking mm. oh he's they're definitely going to overrule this but thankfully um they didn't and like you say a great finish another goal for Callum wilson um you know more talk about him pushing for the england squad he's gonna have to keep on scoring goals though isn't he yeah, look, Gareth Southgate, he's not a risk-taker. He likes the set of players he's got. And I think, has Wilson maybe left it a bit too late? He hasn't made an England... You know, he hasn't received an England cap since 2019. Part of me selfishly hopes he doesn't go. I would love for him to just have a couple of weeks of rest and be with Howe and the team. But on the other hand, it would be great to see a Newcastle number nine at the World Cup. So if you ask me now whether he's going to go, I think no. But I think he's certainly in, in contention to to be in the squad yeah I think he's, he's got to still score a few more goals yeah. and, and that will really then get him into the mind of Gareth Southgate and we just saw yesterday again just how good he is in this system just running the channels you know winding up the opposition he just takes Newcastle United to another level and it's going to be so hard I think in January to find a striker that when Callum Wilson needs a rest or he does pick up another injury that striker can come in like for like because what he does, few other strikers can do. Yeah, we're still yet to see what Isaac's really made of. Is he a, a number nine? Is he, you know, more suited out in the wider as a two? We don't really know, but it, it just it baffles me. Wilson's had so many injuries, and he keeps coming back, and it's as if he's just he hasn't had a single setback. He just always knows how to find that form. And look, it, you know, it was quite a surprise to see he'd went three goals without a game before, uh, three goal, three games without a goal before yesterday. Um, but yeah, look, I think, he, I think he's got a bit more work to do before he's, before he's in that England team. That Almiu on goal then, absolutely brilliant. I mean, yes, you know, brilliant uh, work from Sean Longstaff to, to knock the ball down. Um, as we've mentioned, great pressing from Newcastle to force Spurs into hurrying, hurrying the play. But then Almiu on to... Keep up as he's as he's clearly fouled by Emerson Royal. I think it was most players would go down there, but he's only got one. Mate. He shows so much strength, which is something you don't really 
uh, Link Talmion. He shows so much strength to get him off, to keep him on his feet, and then get into the box, and, and it's, it's a wonderful finish. A lot of people complaining or, or saying, you know, if Luis had stayed up, it wouldn't have gone in, but that doesn't matter. Almiron has to do what he has to do and, and get that shot on target. He does that. It's a goal. Was it five in a row now? Five. Is it five in a row? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, six six for the season. I mean, look, he's he's absolutely flying. And I think, you know, I, the thing I noticed yesterday before the goal is is that under Bruce and even at the start under Howe, he used to pick up the ball and he's as if he just used to run down these cul-de-sacs, head down, run, and I'll just, I'll just drive forward. Now... He's picking his head up. He's driving at players, and he's got a you know he's got a real purpose. He's and he's the confidence he's showing. I mean, we've been waiting what three years to see this type of player. This is the player we thought we were getting from Atlanta in 2019. This is the player Benitez thought he was getting. Um, just look, whatever Howe's doing to the likes of Jordan and him off the pitch, the confidence he must be giving them. I've never seen. I'm, we've been watching Miggy for three or four years now. I've never seen him play anything like this. Just the confidence he's showing is is absolutely baffling. He's fantastic, and he has defences for you, because whereas before, they were, you could literally probably shepherd him into the corner because you knew he was just going to run down that kind of wing and not really do anything. Here, you know, his legs are going one way or the other way, and defenders just don't know what to do with him. He's 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 just a totally different player, and it is an absolute delight to see. Yeah, I mean, look, it was only a couple of weeks or months ago we were sat on this podcast and we were moaning, you know, I think it was the, I think it might have even been the Bournemouth game that, he, you know, he wasn't using his right foot and he was getting in positions, but he doesn't have that killer instinct. Um, and I think, you know, now what we're seeing is he's actually found that, you know, he's found that eye for goal and that killer pass that we've been waiting for for so long. And, and the challenge is now that he needs to keep this going, actually. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see what happens when both Isaac and St. Maximin are fit as well. One of them will likely have to not be in, in the side, uh, but you can't see Miggy dropping out for them because he's, well, he's Newcastle's top scorer. He's on absolutely fantastic form, and I do think it'll continue. We mentioned there Longstaff with the assist for Almiron's goal. I text you at half-time complaining about that, Sean Longstaff. Um, and I was actually watching it with my family and I'd spent most of the game complaining about Longstaff and they told me in no uncertain terms where to go. Um, I've since looked on social media and there seems to be a lot of love for Sean Longstaff. He did have some good moments, but he also, again, was very pedestrian in the middle. And I think what I would like to see from him is just to be that little bit quicker. A lot of people are saying he's covered the most ground this season, I think, for Newcastle. I'd, fantastic. But he's also, I would imagine, up there with you know the player who's given the ball away the most, kind of, and he just just needs to be that little more. I think if he just picks it up a little bit when he's got the ball in, and he's in possession, you will not hear me complain about him because I think that's what he's missing. I think yeah, I think the the weakness that we see from him is that he's a bit sloppy in possession. He's a bit careless with his passing, um, and he, he needs just maybe a, a second too long. He, he just seems to dally a bit on it. Um, and dawdle but look I mean anybody who, who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I, the work he does off the ball I, I really really like him and I think if you look at you know two or three of the biggest moments yesterday he had a big part in them he had a big part in that Miggy goal um, he did really really well for that Joel Linton handball that wasn't given you know with that cross into the box um, he just has he just has these odd games but do you, do you but, praise the basics because I, I get what you're saying like he did have a, but how, how often does he does he a, does he do that and, and do we do we praise him doing what you'd expect from a professional football at that level? 
I just I think I, I, I when I got your text yesterday, I, I'll admit I didn't actually think he'd had too bad of a first half. I thought he was much better second half when I actually started to keep an eye on him. He improved in the second he, half. I'm not I'm not debating that. I don't want to praise him for doing the basics, but I just think this Newcastle United team are unbeaten in what is it six or seven? Sean Longstaff's played in the majority of them. The work he offers in that midfield is exactly what Eddie Howe wants. His intensity, he covers the most ground of anybody. The way he just hurries midfielders into making a pass, I just think he's a he's an asset to this team and he offers something different to what Willick does. Whereas Willick's much better on the ball, he's better in those attacking situations. I feel like Longstaff offers a bit more balance in that midfield. We've got John Irving there says, we still won, who cares? Can't judge anyone uh, judge anyone yesterday for the result he's getting better just praise him so that is me well <laughs> and truly told thanks for that John um, we'll dive into some of the comments that we've got then on uh, social media um, let me just get them up here so thank you very much for anyone that did shout in some questions if you're watching live get into the comments and we'll we'll get through the questions there as well um, We've got um, one person asks saying they noticed the bench depth is pretty light to compete all season for the top four. What do you think we are missing to avoid so many injuries in players after only one third of the season being played? Um, is it a change of staff or is it like other plans off the off the pitch? Um, look, I think we know that the club are trying to make changes behind the scenes. We know that they're trying to, you know, drastic drastically overhaul that sort of system that the, the old regime had in. I think that means, you know, more fitness coaches. It means more nutritious. We know that they've got a brand new state-of-the-art kitchen at the training ground, but I think, you know, the club are still probably playing catch-up with other Premier League teams on that side of things and the sports science side of things. So that that could potentially be it. it, it it's, it's, it's interesting, though. They've had three games this week. We we, we, we know about the injuries they've had. They've, they've been very unlucky with them. Um but they've had three games this week, and I thought yesterday, the players didn't look like they were flagging. I think this group looks the fittest we've seen them in a long time. Um, and I think that's the reason why Eddie Howe hasn't actually changed that much in these three games. He's kept the team pretty much the same. Um, so, yeah, look, I think they'll use this, this break over the winter to regroup. I think they'll be training, but not very hard. I don't think Howe will want them anymore. Well, that's box. probably the benefit of the of this break of the World Cup you can say to the players look we've only got what, three four games left let's give it all and yeah. you can have two three weeks off to yeah. recuperate you're going to go off to Saudi Arabia warm weather camp you'll enjoy that we'll put you through your paces but not as much come back because it's Leeds is it the first game after the break I'm not um, mistaken the one in, who's the Boxing Day one Leeds is New Year's isn't it Leicester Leicester Boxing Day. Boxing Day so you can come back um, refreshed and, and pick off where where that the, the break ended and yeah like you say you looked at the players yesterday and everyone they just look so fit yeah that's the, the that's the, one of the key differences and we know sources had a go at Steve Bruce and 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 the way the the training was under under Bruce and claims that you know they're not they weren't fit enough I mean Callum Wilson came out and said it didn't he the preseason was was not very good and straight away after that West Ham game they realised how far behind other teams they were whereas here you know. <laughs> you look at them, it's like Eddie Howe's been telling them to run around the track all day and that their stamina is just it's unbelievable and such a big asset to the, to the team. Yeah, as I've said, they've had a, a big chunk of games, testing games, and and I thought, after watching the second half at Old Trafford, I thought, you know, they looked like some of them were in need of a rest and somehow they've just managed to 
pull through two further games in this week without really, you know, looking like it. I thought Bruno looked a bit tired yesterday, but that's probably because he's had no sleep for the last 48 hours. But I thought on the whole, the group looked, you know, in really, really good physical shape. Back to action on the pitch then. A couple of penalty uh, shouts that didn't go in your cast United's way. You had Joe Linton in the first half. Got tangled up, wasn't it? Wasn't a penalty didn't for me. That was a penalty, no. no. Second one, though, the handball. Yeah, I think on another day that's given. I think you saw the one from Dan Byrne yesterday where his arm was in that unnatural position. I think on another day, Emerson gets penalised for that and it's a penalty. But Newcastle won, so does it really matter? It doesn't matter. No, it's it. Let's uh, move on. Thankfully, <laughs> the one another uh, ran from me on VAR. Um, Harry Kane scored. It was probably the one time the defence switched off got the better of Kieran Trippier a little bit too easy for my liking it's yeah. going to happen though isn't it yeah look uh, look at the I thought the defence as a whole was good as they have been all week as it has been all, all month really but I thought yeah that was just the one moment it switched off but look Kane I mean Kane takes those chances in his sleep doesn't he so he, he got the better of Trippier and thankfully you know it just it didn't it didn't you know spur this big Spurs comeback if you'll, if you'll pardon me <laughs> um I want to talk about time wasting. Okay. I saw a lot of criticism on social media about the commentators acting like Newcastle were the first team to invent time wasting. I also though feel Newcastle were time wasting a little bit. Nick Pope probably deservedly got booked for time wasting. And it's one of those things, isn't it, where I think, you know, you're gonna get complaints when the board goes up, but at the end of the day, I did feel quite early, early on Newcastle were, were playing for the clock in many instances. So if if they're going to do that, I guess the point is we're going to have to accept that the board's going to go up with more minutes than maybe Newcastle fans are comfortable with. If I'm honest, uh, I thought there were time wasting a lot more at Liverpool than they were yesterday. I think they were yesterday, but I don't think it was on the, on the scale of that Anfield defeat. But this is what we want from them. We want them to be playing for time. Trippier will be drilling that into them. These experienced players will be drilling it into them. That you've just got to keep it, you know, keep it calm. Miggy, we've seen him. He wants to take throws instead quickly all time. Trippier's just got to tell him no. Just settle down. But we spoke about it last week after my United, where you know this, the players need to be shown this more ruthless side, and that's what they need to be doing. And I thought they actually managed the game really well yesterday. There wasn't a period where Spurs had built up all this momentum and. They were knocking on the door. I thought Newcastle, you know, sort of broke the game up well. And that's what they're going to need to do in the future if they're going to keep taking points off the big sides. It's the little things, isn't it? Like just walking back 10, 15 yards from the touchline when you see your number go. Little things like that. I mean, Spurs are getting very, very <laughs> angry at that. But it's those little things that the top teams do without even thinking about. And it is those little things that will give you the advantage. 100%. And look, if... if Spurs have been at St James's Park and they were two two one up with ten minutes ago. I bet you they would be time racing as well. As Graham says, there it's a part and parcel of the game, and I think Newcastle, you know, how will be drilling into them that you know the game management needs to be spot on when they're playing these top teams. And Jonathan Casey says we need to be more clever with the time wasting. We we are too obvious and get punished for it. Um, but hey, it worked in the end, didn't it? And you talk about their breaking up play, and one man I, I feel definitely deserves a shout was Chris Wood comes off the bench, uh, you know, I th- thought it was one of his better cameo performances, you know, he only had, a, I think it was seven minutes uh, that he had on the pitch, he, uh, he drew a really a really good foul, you know, he, I mean, he was away to be fair, but he, you know, that foul broke, breaks up the play, he was winning headers, he was just doing what he was brought on to do, and yes, it would be lovely to see him get a goal, will he get you 20 goals a season? No, he won't, but 
for the five, six, seven minutes he's on the pitch. If he can do that and break up the opposition, stop them from getting forward, then, hey, get the flags out from him. Because yesterday, I think he came on that pitch and did exactly what the instruction was. Yeah, stop was, Spurs from going forward. There was a moment yesterday as well when he came on, and, and Darren Lee's just alluded to it in the comments here, that I can't remember who it was. It played the ball through on goal. And Wood was actually away, he'd broken the offside trap and the referees decided not to give the advantage and he pulled it back. Um, so it's a shame because as, as Darren says there, it would have been good to see him get the, you know, actually have a little chance to get on the on the score sheet and give him a, a confidence. But look, I thought I thought he did well when he came on. He did the job he had to. Murphy as well, really, really good graft when he came on, pressed from the front whenever Spurs' fullbacks had the ball. Um, it, it's interesting because... We mentioned then, Alan Shearer mentioned on Match of the Day that everyone came off the bench and knew exactly what they were doing. I would like to know how anyhow picks his side, like during the week, because we have the same image, don't we have, you know, one side's in blue bibs and the other side's in red and it's the blue bibs that are going to start on Saturday. But I wonder if he, if he doesn't give any inkling to the likes of Murphy, to the likes of Fraser maybe, and he just says, let's, every, let, let, let's everyone play this training game as if you were all going to start, and then it doesn't. It's not till Saturday midday when the the team news drops that they know who's actually starting. Well, he certainly keeps up us, us guessing as journalists, so it wouldn't surprise me if he if he did it with the players as well. But look, I think you know we don't. I didn't know who was going to start yesterday. I think you can make an argument that Fraser or Willock's going to start. Um, sorry, Fraser or Murphy, Willock and Longstaff are going to be battling out um, for this spot in the middle as well. You know, there's competition for places now and I think as we touched on earlier these fringe players that might not have a long term future know that actually they've got a spell of, of, of a couple of minutes in this team and the decisions that have been made it's not like anyone's it, it, it's only going to come if people are out of form and actually everyone that is playing even coming off the bench is actually doing a decent enough job and that that's fantastic I mean Joe Linton again yesterday he was tr I mean to bear in mind he wasn't really playing in that middle was he, he was kind of over on, on the left, left. he was trapped I mean there was a great moment when he, he runs 30, 40 yards, yards back yeah. to, to tackle yeah. and he gets a foot in and you just think what an absolute beast what a warrior he's been again just unbelievable yeah I think the work he the work he gives in that middle it's sort of I mean Bruno is a grafter but it allows him just a bit of it's a bit I mean it, it's a weird comparison to make but remember when it used to be Shelby and Hayden in the middle and Shelby used to just go forward and spring all these passes and Hayden was like the the water boy he used to do all the graft. It sort of feels a bit like that because we know that Joel and when he gets forward doesn't you know he sort of forgets how to play football sometimes. The balance he gives that team when Bruno's going forward and working with Miggy, you know it, it's they've got a real good combination there, and I think the the work he puts in him and Longstaff is is why you know we see he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Now. He's got such an engine on him, hasn't he? Like he is, it's just been rather remarkable. The turnaround, and we're not going to talk about it again because we've we've talked about it many many times. But yeah, I thought yesterday he had another good game and just gets about the pitch that physicality. Um, so it's going to be interesting going forward to see what happens there. Shelby, as you mentioned there, um, he came off the bench, didn't he? First time we've seen him in action in in quite a while, and again just seemed to you know slip right in. Yeah, look, we've been sort of crying out for Shelby to come back. I think in recent weeks, and I think he slotted in nicely. I think. You know, Eddie Howe said it. He was only going to use him in case of emergency. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have another couple of weeks on the bench just to regain gain his fitness. I don't think Howe's going to be in any rush to start him before this World Cup unless he really has to because, um, 
you know they won't want a setback of that injury that's kept him out since August. So, but look, good to see him back. You know, as I've said, we've missed him, um, and, and I thought he did well when he came on. And just one thing, actually, I did want to mention about Joe Linton. Um, the person I was sat with uh, for the Everton game, uh, he, he said he felt Joe Linton doesn't really have a position. And what does the future hold for him? I know you have previously, Aaron, shared the same view on Joe Linton. But for me, you just you play him either as part of that midfield three and you just let him roam because he's got such an engine. He can get up and down. You know... More often than not, he's going to be there to get a foot, and he's going to be there to cover. And I don't think you need to pigeonhole him as this, you know, defensive midfielder, this centre midfielder, this this left wing attacker. I think he just, I I think he will, I think he will always be in that side until they buy someone of a Bruno's level. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's going to be as easy as that. So I think, given the levels he's performed at, and I'll say it again on record, for me, he's been the most consistent performer this season. It's going to take something for them to buy a player that improves and goes up a level. I think he's going to be in that mid- midfield or at least in that team probably for the next year, no matter what. Yeah, look, start of the season, I wasn't sure whether you know he was going to make that position his own, but I think he has. I think the response is to me. I think you know he's another one who's clearly listening to this podcast and trying to prove her wrong. Um, I think he's been brilliant. He's really made that position his own. We saw last season, I think towards back in the season against Norwich, he, he went and played an attack, he did really well, he scored a couple of goals. Yesterday, you know, he started out on that left. It's gone from, you know, whenever we used to see Jolton start an attack on a team sheet, we used to think, oh, here we go again, he's, he's put him in the field. Actually, I think he's learning how to play in the attack when he needs to, as well as um, playing in the midfield. And I think when he does play in that attack, he offers, you know, you know, we always used to say about Max, he used to offer loads going forward, but not enough going back. Jolton's like a nice mix because he does actually drop back. We saw yesterday that graph for that 30-yard tackle he made. Um, but I would agree, I think he's been the most consistent over over the last year and a half. And we've got Graham Morton there saying, don't underestimate Willick, his movement and intelligence allows Bruno the space. Yeah, and again, we've seen in recent weeks Willick step up to the plate and show why Castle paid so much money from Bruno again. I don't think we need to talk really much more about Bruno. We'd just be going over old ground. He just seems to be getting better and better, picking out those passes, good work ethic. Um, he's just been he's just been brilliant. We did have some comments there as well saying Dan Byrne needs to be on the plane for the World Cup squad. I don't think that's going to happen. Same. I thought he had a good game yesterday. Again, I've been a little bit worried about how he, how he's going to handle playing against you know the top sides. Um, but I thought he had a decent enough game there. There was one. Two opportunities, uh, opportunities where he was caught off a pace, but on a whole, didn't really put a foot wrong. Look, I mean, I've got to hold the hands up. We spent a lot of the podcast last Monday after the My United game saying that he was the weak link and he'd been torn apart by Anthony and, and we didn't know whether he would be starting against Everton. But the last two performances, he's really came through it. I thought he was very assured on Wednesday. Um, and I thought yesterday he's very good. He offers he offers so much going forward as well. Those set pieces where you know him or Bottom are going to get on the end of it. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought he was he was another good one yesterday. I thought they all played well yesterday, but I mean we'll go back to this thing. Matt Target, he, he came in in January, he played sixteen games on the bounce, um, didn't put a foot wrong, and he's struggling to get back in this team. The competition for places now is um, is, is just incredible. Should we have a bit of a love in for Sven Botman? Because there's a lot of people in the comments wanting wanting to maybe even set up a Sven Botman 
fan club. I We're going like, to have too many fan clubs. I know, but I think if anybody deserves it, it's Sven Botman. I cannot believe that this man is 22 years old. He looks like he's been playing football for 22 years. He is absolutely incredible. The way he reads the game. I think the big question is, and you apply this to Bruno as well, where on earth are the scouts from Manchester United, Liverpool, yeah. Chelsea, Arsenal? Yeah. Where are they? I mean, it, we've benefited from it, Newcastle, thankfully, but... Yeah, I mean, completely. I mean, when you think it was only really Newcastle and, and AC Milan in the summer that wanted him. I mean, he was doing this for Lille. We watched him last season. Um, I watched him last season playing against Chelsea and I thought he had a really good game. I was surprised that Newcastle was sort of allowed to go alone for him. But the way he's came into this team straight away and slotted in at 22 is just fantastic. I thought he was brilliant yesterday, amazing against Manchester United and he played well against Everton. I think the back four as a whole are just absolutely flourishing right now. Um, some of the comments here on Botman. Uh, David Ellison says, Botman looks the complete centre-half, makes it look so easy. Um, and there were a few other comments at the top end there. Um, so thank you very much for, for getting them in. What we'll do now is we'll hear uh, from Eddie Howe. This is what he had to say after the 2-1 win against Spurs. Uh, Real pride in the players, in the whole football club, really. The, the scenes at the end were brilliant to be a part of. Uh, I have to compliment the group on everything they gave today. I thought it was a really, really good performance. Probably the best since I've been here. Um, and I thought we deserved it. I thought uh, it was a tough game. Tottenham are a very good team, but I thought we played very well. I mean, did, you, did you see it coming? You've had two games this week. You spoke midweek about to have the energy. Did, did you see that performance coming? Well, I hoped it was coming. I, I, I don't think you can ever sit here and say, I, I knew it was coming. We decided to go with the same team today. Um, performances really, I think, have dictated that. We didn't want to change too much. The rhythm of the team's been really good. So we had a battle between fresh legs and the continuity and the team playing in a very functional way. Um, and I think it worked that we, we just went with the same rhythm and the players emptied the tanks for us. They gave everything. And I thought technically it was a very good performance today. I thought we um, did very well with the ball. There we have it. The views of Eddie Howe. And it just sounds so ground forward talking about the way he was in the moments after the game. He gets in front of the press and he's just so grounded. And it's quite enjoyable to hear him talk as well. He's not getting ahead of himself. Um, I think he gives you know sensible answers. What did you make of what he had to say there? Yeah, look, it, it, it's just typical Eddie. Very grounded. He doesn't want to look ahead. Again, you know, past Villa on Saturday. Um, what I'm always struck by is how sort of technical his answers are as well. You know, he's always very detailed. He's always, you know, he's always got a lot of things to say about each topic. It's never just sort of short and simple answers or, oh, well, we've got beat. We're going to roll the sleeves up and go again next week. It's always, you know, there's very, very concise answers. And I think it's interesting there that he talked about the the team not wanting to change it. I think, you know, we said last week that he doesn't um he doesn't like to change winning teams so much and I think, you know, despite players knocking on the door, I think wouldn't be surprised, especially after a six day break, to see them go and change against Villa on Saturday. John Steele says Eddie Howe deserves a huge amount of credit for what we've achieved. I thought he should have made changes to the starting lineup. I was wrong. Seven points from these three games is unreal. He has to be manager of the month and Miggy player of the month. And actually we did sit here last week and say you want one win from these two games and you've got two wins. It's, it is it is fantastic. And I guess that's where we're going to end this episode on. 
And Cast United sitting in the top four, 21 points, top of the form table as well. Just how far can this Newcastle United side go? Well, look, if Eddie's listening, then I've got to apologise because he won't like me saying this because he doesn't want to put targets and labels on it. But I think they've got to be aiming for European football now. And at the start of the season, I thought they'd come up short and I thought 8th to 10th was a good good finish. And look, it still might be. But the way they've started the season with injuries without their best players to be in, top, in the top four at this stage of the season... The last time they were in the top four at this stage after 12 games was the Pardew finishing fifth season. I think now top seven's a real, real possibility. And I'm starting to come around the fact they could do it. It is. I think it is. I you, think need, you need to bring me back down. You need to be the realist. In the what room. I was going to say there, you listen to Callum Wilson after the game. He was asked a similar question. You know, what can what can Newcastle not achieve this season? And it was just he just said, got to keep the feet on the ground. And that seems... to. For all, they're all on the, on the same page on the pitch. They're all on the same page off it as well. The message seems to be absolutely consistent. Game by game, let's not get ahead of ourselves and we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah, and look, it's smart. You know, we, we all talk about targets, you know, till we're blue in the face. Fans will do it. For Eddie Howe, it's simple. You know, he doesn't want to put any outside pressure on it. He doesn't want to, you know, give false hope. He doesn't want to set himself up to fail, set the team up to fail which is, is a very, very smart thing. It would be so easy to say, look, we think we can do it. And, and you know, he's, he's sticking to his guns and saying that he doesn't want to publicly talk about, about where they can finish, which is, is look smart because you've got idiots like me now saying that, that they can finish in Europe. So, <laughs> Well, it's just refreshing that we talk about Newcastle United in a healthy position in the league. I mean, this time last season, they were bottom. One thing I think I say is I think, I think they're going to stay up. I think they're safe from relegation. I think they're safe. Well, this has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. Thanks to you guys tuning in on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. This is my last show for three weeks. Yep. Before the big day. I'm off to get married, so I'll not be on this podcast for um, three weeks' time. We're going to have some guests coming on. Though Aaron's going to take on hosting duties. So keep an eye on social media to see just who Aaron will be uh, questioning. That sounds a bit... Um, it meant to sound happier than that doesn't it but um, yes but thank you very much guys for tuning in um, thanks from me and Aaron and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep the date with all the latest Newcastle United news including all the latest from this fantastic win over Spurs <laughs> <laughs>